It is so good to be with you today, and it is an honor to, uh, to speak from this platform. And we're in a series called I Belong. A few months ago, our staff, we got away and went up to the mountains, and we've been talking about how we got up to the mountains and we fasted and prayed and came up with this series. And quite honestly, there was some, there was some praying. There was, there, there was no fasting at all. Uh, we ate, and uh, Pastor Tom McCormick is an incredible cook. I gained 10 pounds on our fasting trip. And, uh, and we had fun, man. It was, it was so good to get to know this team. And I want you to know that your staff is family. We love each other. And it is an honor to be a part of this team. They are brothers. And uh, as we work together, it's fun to unpack this series called I Belong. I want you to know right up front, we had a ping pong tournament. And uh, you are looking at the best ping pong player on the staff. Now, officially, I, I actually had a losing record. But, uh, and, I, and I didn't win the championship. But the BCS rankings has me number one. So I'm... <laughs> I am, I am the best, um, but it was fun to, to be with family, and as we've unpacked this series, we have said something, I want to put it on the board, church is not an event we attend, church is a family to which we belong, this is family, I've been to many churches in my life, I'm a PK, that stands for pastor's kid, I went to church before my mom even got to got to church. She had me and still was recovering, and I was at church. And I've been at church my whole life. I've been a pastor on staff. I was a church planner in Phoenix. And I've been a part of church activity and church life my whole life. And I'll tell you what, I grew up in an environment where church was more of an event. And I love my family, and they loved, they loved raising me, and they did the best they could. But church was an event to me until I was 18, God got a hold of my heart and showed me that church was family. And he showed me that church was family when he broke into my life, as we sang about, and love came in. When I responded to the love of Jesus, I became family. You know, your mom and dad can't make that happen. You might come to church for other reasons, but until Jesus Christ speaks to you and invites you in, you don't, you don't join a family. You're invited in. He invites us into his eternal family. And some of you are here today and you're hearing this I Belong series and maybe you've been with us for the last few weeks. And, and quite frankly, you may be where I've been sometimes in my life. I haven't always been a pastor. I haven't always been um, uh, having an official title. And I've, I've been where you are, where I've come into a church and I didn't feel like I belonged. I mean, the lights are good, and the choir's singing, and the pastor's speaking, and I've sat there, and there's nothing more lonely than to be in a room like this, 900,000 people, and feel lonely. And some of you right now are lonely. You don't feel like you belong. We've begun this series for those of you that not only feel like you belong to hope, but also some of you that don't feel like you belong, and you're wondering, what is the responsibility of belonging to this family. We've unpacked them, and I want to review those responsibilities. We began two weeks ago when Pastor Vance unpacked love for us, and I want to put the, the love belong statement on the board. Be because I belong, I am responsible to love others as Christ has loved me. 
Pastor Tom unpacked honor last week. He said, because I belong, I am responsible to consider others is more important than myself. Today, we're going to look at one of the most important words in all the Bible and maybe one of the least understood, least practiced in the American church. The word is disciple. Disciple. Here at Hope, we exist not just to make disciples and make that part of what we do. Discipling is everything we do. If it's not part of making disciples, we don't do it. And if you're a guest of ours today and you're looking for a church, I want you to know that if it doesn't fit into discipling, if it doesn't fit into connecting people to live the life of a Jesus follower, we just don't do it. There's too many things to do in life and there's too many ways to get lost in the church activity. We want to make sure it's crystal clear what we do. So to disciple, I want to put the the statement on the board here. And I want us to say this together on three. One, two, three. Because I belong, I am responsible to lead others to follow Jesus and to obey his word. Because I belong, I am responsible to lead others to follow Jesus and to obey his word. You know, here at Hope we say that there are three components of the Jesus life. If you want to follow Jesus, he really did three things. If you boil it down into scripture, you can put it into three buckets. If I had three buckets up here right now, you could have the first one. And the first thing he did was abide with a relationship with his father. He abided. The second one that what he did is he connected relationship with his family, his disciples. And then the third bucket, if you were to put a bucket up here and and put share, he shared his life with the world. It was powerful to hear Mark and Megan's testimony. They're, they're going to where they are with the wadi because they are to share the life of Jesus with the world. With specific people to abide, connect, and share. And we are called to make disciples. In Matthew 28, Jesus is at the end of his earthly ministry and he speaks to his disciples and to the church for all generations, which includes us. And in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, he says this. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I've seen this passage preached on many times. You've heard it many times if you've been in church life. And there are a lot of emphasis that comes out of this. Sometimes people will pull out, go. Sometimes people will pull out, baptize. Sometimes people will pull out all nations, but the reality is there is one emphasis, one focus in this passage, and that is to make disciples. And Jesus does this in relationship. He doesn't do this as a class or even a curriculum. I guess there is some type of a curriculum to it, but it's more of a Hebraic curriculum of making disciples, which is follow me. As we live life together, we're going to do this together. In a moment, we're going to unpack another verse. I want to read it right now up front, just so you have it in your Bibles ready to go. It's Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. This is what we do 
as disciples. He calls us out to make disciples, and it says in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, to make disciples and to be a disciple, we do this together. We do this as family. And Jesus calls his disciples out, and, and he's, they're similar to how maybe some of you feel today. They didn't belong. He called this one out and said, come, follow me. He called this other out and come, follow me. He said to a couple of brothers, come and follow me. We are going to be family. Jonathan Dodson says this. I love his insights. He says this. Jesus did not view his disciples as mere students. He viewed them as family. In Matthew 12, 48, 49, Jesus says this, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here is my mother and here are my brothers. For Jesus, discipleship is relational. His relationship with his disciples was based on truth and grace. He taught them the gospel and embodied its grace for them in everyday life. God humbled himself in Jesus to share everyday life with everyday people. Aren't you glad he did that to you and me? He shared his life with everyday people like you and me. He chose 12 disciples from various vocations, ranging from fishermen to taxmen, and shared everything with them. Jesus shared his meals, his heart, his teachings, his sufferings, and his hopes for the future with these men, all the while taking road trips and mountain hikes and moving toward his urban martyrdom. Imagine how strong and intimate these relationships were after three years. The disciples had become family. Jesus didn't call them to an event. He called them to be a part of his family, where he calls us to the same eternal family. He says, join me in this. We are invited in to be a part of his family. When I say the word disciple, it's family. He's calling us out to be a part of his family. As Pastor Vance said two weeks ago, he said he's going to walk with us. He's going to talk with us. He's going to share life with us. And then he says this, love as I've loved you. I'm not going to leave you stranded. I'm going to show you how to do this. I'm going to show you how to make disciples. And it's contingent on this, love as I have loved you. His curriculum for teaching is relationship, not head knowledge. His environment was not a class. It was more of an experience. It was a relationship of family. And so today I just have two points for you. And the second one we're really going to unpack with some examples. But the first one is very important. You ready? Number one, what is a disciple? Boy, if we miss that one, we miss the whole thing, don't we? What is a disciple? I really think those three buckets, abide, connect, and share, the last two flow out of this first one. A disciple is a loved child of the Father. A disciple is a loved child of the Father that listens and obeys to God's word. A loved child of the Father that listens and obeys God's word. So before he calls out his disciples, Jesus does something to show us 
And there is a power in the principle of first. When you see it first done, you better go back to that to figure out what it is. I'm afraid in American church, we've gotten away from what it means to be a disciple. We do think it's some type of a class or something that we get on a Sunday morning like this. And we don't understand that it's a relationship. It's family. It's the one another's lived out in family. And, and Jesus shows us right up front when he begins in Luke 3, 21, 22. Very powerful passage. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my son, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. You are my son, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. Jesus was a loved son. Before he was a suffering servant, Jesus was a loved son. He could not have done the things that he did without that love relationship with the Father. Everything he was flowed out of a love relationship with the Father who said before he went to the cross, before he went out with the disciples, before he did all the things that we saw him do, God said, I love you. And I am pleased with you. Men, maybe this is for you right now. In a room this size, there are men all over this room that need to hear this right now. No matter what you're going through, the Father loves you, and he is pleased with you, not based upon what you do, based upon who he is. And let me tell you something, I'm 46, and I still haven't figured that one out, that he loves me so much, period, not based upon what I do. A disciple is a loved child of the Father. So how do I get in on this? I leave my life, my sinful life, and, and where I am, and I exchange my life for his. And when I give my life to Jesus, and I'm invited into this family, when God looks at me, he sees his son. And guess what? He sees one that he's pleased with. He doesn't look at me. My old Brian, he looks at me a child of the king, a joint heir. He cut me in on the same deal that he gave his own son, Jesus. Everything that's Jesus's is mine. I'm no longer a sinner. I am a saint. Now, it's true that I am a sinner saved by grace, but that's not my definition anymore. My definition is a saint. My residence is not Las Vegas, Nevada. My residence is in heaven. I am a child of the king and I am loved. So everything I have that I do comes out of that love relationship, and it's simply just abiding. I want to take a look at my family right now. Some of you don't know my family, and I want to just put them up there for you. Everybody's doing it, so I put my family up there. I'm proud of them. I love my family. My son, uh, I don't know what happened. That one on, oh, the tall one there, I don't know. He sprung up in the last few months. I used to be taller than him. The two younger kids there, Faith and Noah, uh, the ones without the teeth in front. Um, you know, I love that family. And there is nothing that those kids can do to earn my love. I love them just because I love them. 
I'll always love them. From the oldest one to the youngest one, the two youngest are adopted. And we went through that adoption process with them. Guess what? When you go through an adoption process, the kids have nothing to do with the adoption process. I adopted them. Did you get that? There is nothing they did to get adopted. I paid the money. I went through the, the whole process. I did everything that I needed to do to adopt them. Jesus did everything. When he said, it is finished, it is finished. I, he said, I paid the price for your adoption. There's nothing you do. As a disciple, you are loved. You are loved. Secondly, a disciple listens to the Father. A disciple listens to the Father. In Luke 3, 21, it says, and as Jesus was praying. Isn't that powerful? We skip right over that. He's getting baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened. A disciple listens to the Father. I, I can make a case for you. I don't, I don't think Jesus did anything that he, he didn't get from the Father. Matter of fact, he said that. He said, there's nothing I do that the Father hadn't already done. I'm just walking this out. As a child, when he cuts you in on the deal and he calls you out, he takes care of everything. He just says, walk where I want you to walk. Don't do your own thing. Follow me. Listen to me. And so Jesus was always listening to the Father. Sometimes he would tick the other disciples off. He'd just walk off. He said, I just got to go. I'll go spend some time with the Father. They're like, wait a second. The people, the people are here. He said, I got to go. I got I to gotta pray. Mark 1.35, he begins his day. I would say he begins every day early in the morning. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away from a secluded place. And, and he was praying there. He listened to the Father. A disciple is a love child. A disciple listens to the Father. And a disciple obeys the Father. That's just part of relationship. Listen and obey. Hear and obey. I've got the opportunity to spend the last four years with some of the, the best pastors in the world as a fly on the wall just looking and listening to them because of my relationship with Pastor Bob Roberts at Northwood and to be able to speak to them and hear them. You know what their, you know what their definition of a disciple is? Listen and obey. Listen and obey. I'm afraid that in America our definition is learn a lot, grow up and become perfect, and then go. But aren't you glad those disciples weren't perfect? Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't wait till we get all perfect? He's perfect. Me too. I'm in on the deal. Now, you say, well, that doesn't seem right. I know it doesn't. It's called grace. <laughs> to be a disciple is to live loved, to listen to my father. To speak to him and to be in communion and in fellowship with him and to obey him. To obey him. John 5, 19 says, therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son also does in like manner. So what are we to do? Make disciples. To lead others into this family. To invite others into this family. So the first point is, what is what's a disciple? You don't get that. You're going you're gonna to miss it. Because to make disciples, you got to be a disciple. 
to be a disciple, you got to know what one is. So I know this is basics, but I'm telling you, I'm still on point number one, that I'm loved. And if it's basic, that's okay. Because being a disciple is basic, but it'll cost you everything. It'll cost you everything, but you get everything. And I lead others to receive this, this powerful relationship. In Hebrews 10, 24, it says, let us, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Isn't it interesting in this passage, they had, they had problems with people showing up then too. You know, people still had attendance problems. I read that, I'm like, oh, thank goodness, you know. That church had some problems too, you know. They, 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 they had problems showing up. And why is that in there? Because you really can't experience discipling unless we're together in this, and unless we're face-to-face and we see each other. And, and I'm afraid that I, and I don't mind watching sermons online. I watched a couple this week online, and it was great. But that's not church. You can't get church online. You can't disciple online. Until I see you face to face and until I can talk to you and challenge you and encourage you and help you and you do the same with me, it's not church. It says here that there is something that happens when we get together with one another and you say, well, is that lived out? Yeah, we just did it. Jesus did that. He's, he got in life with 12 men and he challenged them and he encouraged them and he loved them and he did all the one another's we've been unpacking. And it's important that we know that we need to be in a smaller community than just this. Let me tell you, this is incredible. In my opinion, we've got one of the best preachers and teachers in the entire country in Pastor Vance Pittman. All right? Would you agree? You can't get that just anywhere. And when Pastor Teddy gets up here and dances and all that, I, I go home sometimes and try to do it, and it doesn't work. But man... You can't get that. You can't get that teaching. You can't get that worship. You can't get that global vision just anywhere. The vision of the city. There is something that happens in our midst when we gather together on a Sunday morning that you can't get anywhere else. But you can't experience the one another's here. I mean, you're just looking at some back of somebody's head right now. You barely know their name. You may not know their name. That's not discipling. Pastor Vance disciples, but he may not disciple you. He's got his men that he disciples. Pastor Teddy's got his men that he disciples. Now, they do some other things on Sunday morning, but don't mistake that for them discipling you. They're family, but it's kind of like a family reunion, you know, when you, you kind of see some people at a distance. But then you get together around a table and you begin to talk to some people at a family reunion. That's what we're talking about. The small groups. The reason we emphasize small groups because that's family. That's where the one another's are lived out. When we gather together, we, we give a little, we sing a little, we listen a little. But when we're together in a smaller group, you get to do some teaching. You get to do some singing. You get to do some leading. Listen, everybody gets to play. I watched football all day yesterday. Should have been working on this sermon. But I was watching football, and I'm thinking I'm in the game. I'm not even in the game. You know, that's kind of what it is at church sometimes. We think we're in the game. We're not in the game until we get in a community. We all get to play this. We all get to be a part of this, and we need to spur one another on, and we're to do that together. 
We're to lead others to what? Well, if a disciple is to be a loved child, then we are to lead others to live loved together. We're lead to lead others to live loved together. We live in a city where there is so much out there going on and so much that people experience and so much dysfunction out there. We need to come together as family and to love each other because the world's not going to love us. We got to come together and remind each other that you are loved. I come together sometimes with men one-on-one, and I hear all the things that are going on in their lives, and they need to hear truth. The truth is you're loved. The truth is God has a plan for you and a purpose for you that goes beyond what, what people out there may tell you. In Ephesians 3, 14 through 19, it says, For this reason I bow on my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. Don't skip over something there. Every family with all the saints. I used to read that passage individually. It became my favorite verse until one day it really became my favorite verse. When I realized that this passage wasn't written just to me individually, which it is, but the context of it is family. You will get to experience the love of Jesus when you come together in community and experience his love with all the saints. The love of Christ, every family in heaven, with all the saints, may dwell in your hearts. There is something that happens when we get together and challenge each other and help each other and love one another. Dudley Hall, one of my mentors and, and a man that discipled me, says this, Being conscious of being loved by God is the power that transforms us from being self-centered to be self-giving. There is something that happens when as we come together with one another. Now, how does this play out? I disciple men. I don't disciple women. I disciple men. And I disciple men that are hungry for Jesus and need to experience that love. And so I, I experience that with other men. And, and sometimes it's just one-on-one. I remember one instance this happened in my life. And I'll just give you one example. I was a youth pastor in 1997. And that dates me quite a ways. I'd been in ministry a long time when, when that happened. And it was a mega church there in, in Florida. And, and we were going from a Sunday night service to a Saturday night service. We kept the Sunday and we thought about doing this thing Saturday night. We were real cutting edge, you know. Nobody had been doing it. We thought, we're, we're the first to do this, right? Nobody's doing it. And it was awesome. I was all for it until the pastor said, you've got to do the same thing you do with the youth ministry on Saturday night as you do on Sunday morning. I wasn't for it then. I got all the leadership I got the band. Most importantly, I got the pizza. And we gathered together, and I was, all, I was ready for the, the youth to just come roaring in. You know how many showed up that night? Now, there's 500 in the youth group. I got a ton of youth leaders ready and a ton of pizza. One. One. 
And some of you are saying, what's the big deal there? Look, it's a big deal. If you're a a pastor and one shows up and you're expecting a lot, it it messed with my metrics of success. Avery Wood was his name, 14 years old, real shy guy, nice kid. I told the youth leaders to go home. I said, go home, I got this one. (laughs) Matter of fact, I, I, I gave each of them a pizza. Go on. They were happy. I said, Avery, let's go get a steak. I was bummed out. Avery just talked the whole night. I didn't, I didn't understand the thing he said. I was thinking about, do I, am I going to have my job tomorrow? And, you know, Avery and I began a great relationship of just discipling. And it wasn't a class. It was just relationship. You go where I go, Avery. I'm going to the mall. You want to go? Yeah, you want to come over? We're going to have a Thanksgiving. He, he didn't have a dad. And I helped Avery. He went into ministry. And last year I heard that Avery died of a, of a sudden medical condition. Got the phone call from some of the youth in the youth group. And got emails. And this is what they said. Avery Wood pinpointed the beginning of his spiritual journey in discipling. His relationship with God back to a fall 1997 night when a youth pastor took him to a steak dinner. What I considered the worst night of ministry was Avery's best night of his life. We've got to start thinking discipling different. It's not about how many show up or what was done or what was said and pats on my back. I'm giving you an example for some of you to walk out and say, I think I can do that. My half-hearted effort, God used to change one young man. You can go to steak dinner with somebody, can't you? You can take somebody to coffee. Discipling isn't getting all the, all the things all set and ready to go. As a matter of fact, I'm showing you, it's the opposite of that. It's just loving somebody, leading others to also listen to the Father together. How do we listen together? That's a big one. I, I talk to people all the time that say, I wish God would speak to me. I wish he would tell me, some of you are here right now, and you're, you're thinking about a job, you're thinking about taking, or somebody you're thinking about marrying, and that's a big one if you're in college, right? I don't know if this is the one. Some of you are thinking about dropping out of marriage. You wonder, what, 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 is, what is God thinking all this? You know, just open up his word. <laughs> it's there. Our job is to take this and to open up this together in community and say, you know what? That makes sense what you're saying, taking that job or leaving that person. That makes sense. But you know what? We're not called to make sense of things. We're called to listen to the Father. We're not called to do our own thing. As a matter of fact, my thoughts are completely opposite of his. He calls people in this Bible to do things that, just ask Abraham. Just... Noah, Jesus, or if there be any other way, Father, let this cup pass from me. 
but it's not really my will. It's your will, Father. I go to the cross because you initiated this. You've orchestrated this. I listen to you. I'm obedient to you. We need to get together and we need to listen to others. And the word of God is how we can listen. He also speaks to us in his spirit. As we open up the word, his spirit speaks to us. And he speaks to us and he tells us what to do. And there's something that happens in that dynamic together that can't happen individually. When two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there. And, man, it's powerful. The manifest presence of Jesus. He speaks to us not only through scripture and spirit. He speaks to us through the saints. The saints that are listening to the word and scripture. Now, he's not saying just listen to the saints and not the word. I've had people come up to me all the time and say, I got a word from God. And I'm like, well, I'm not here. <laughs> I don't hear that. He's not contradicting his word. But when you put scripture and his spirit and the saints together, you listen and you hear. And it is powerful. Henry Blackaby says this. How desperate is the need in our world for churches that hear and follow what the spirit is saying to them. Let me read that again. How desperate is the need in our world for churches that hear and follow what the Spirit is saying to them. The world is, in our day, wants to see God work through his people. But unless we hear and obey in the things he assigns us, the world will not experience him. They will only see religion and be turned away. Listen. You don't need to just hear what I say. You don't need to hear what some human being says. We need to hear from the Father. Some of you came in today and you don't need a word from me. You need a word from God. You need to know how am I going to make it. And I can share some things with you here, but there is something that happens when you gather together in a family and you're challenged together and you're up late at night. I've been with small groups late at night, early into the morning saying we're not going to leave here until we hear from God. We need that in our world. And the world is watching to see if there is a church somewhere that listens to God and will move forward. Aren't you glad that Hope Church listened to God and have moved forward? Many different locations, many different challenges. We've called leaders. We've moved forward. We've changed locations. We've built buildings. We've seen people come to, 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 to a place of obedience in their lives where they say, I will leave it all and I will take my family and I'll go to the other part of the world. You know what, that's evidence not that hope is a good church, that's evidence that here is a family that listens to the Father. You see, church will, will go away someday, but family will always remain. We'll be in heaven someday and we'll gather around and we'll say, man, wasn't that incredible? We gather together and we spent time together and we listened to the Father together in faith. And what we walked by faith now, we see by sight. And we get to join together with people all over the world, including the Wadi, and say, man, I remember that day. I remember when Pastor Vance prayed. I remember when we extended our family to the uttermost parts of the world because the Father told us to do it. Revelation 2.29 says this, He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Wow. He says it in Revelation 3.2, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Gathering together. I've only been really doing this in community in a powerful way over the last five years of my life. I really, really have had to learn from other people. And it's powerful when you gather together and you open up the word. And, and I'm only speaking five minutes instead of what I used to do, 45 minutes, you know. 
I always looked at it as an opportunity to gather a bunch of people later and preach another sermon. Now I just show up and we listen to, to God. We open up his word and he shows up. This became real to me uh, last holiday season. We were on our way to Arizona. I was taking that, that family you saw on the picture from Texas to Arizona during the holiday season. And you know how, you know how peaceful those holiday seasons are, right? <laughs> and you're gathering everything together. You got all the presents and you're getting ready to get into the van. And I got my Volkswagen minivan all packed up and ready to go. And we're all um, yelling at each other. And uh, <laughs> we do that sometimes. And uh, we're getting everything all set for the Christmas season because peace is on earth and joy to the world. <laughs> and and here, here's the problem I found. I, I couldn't find the key to the van. Well, that's no big deal. I'll just call up Volkswagen, call Volkswagen up. You know what they said? To replace that key, it's going to be $500. And oh, by the way, we don't have the key. We've got to get the key from somewhere in Germany and it gets here, and then you got to code it, and blah, 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 $500. Then I went the route of, well, we'll have to rent a van. That's $500. That's $1,000. I love my in-laws, but not that much, right? Not right now. I'm not doing that. We'll be fine next month when we get the key. I'm accusing everybody, you know, that they lost it. You ever do that, man? You didn't lose it. They lost it. Wife's angry. Kids are angry. We're all ready for Christmas. And, um, and my wife did something that just, just threw me for a loop and threw the whole evening for a loop. She called our friends who were in our small group and said, would you pray for us that we find the key? Not only did they say they'd pray for us, they were going to come over. Now you say, well, that's so loving. No, it wasn't. I mean, it was, but not in my heart. I, I'm getting ready to go here, and I don't need that right now. Can we just be real? You know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> they come over. It's a, it's a family of, of seven. Five-year-old and little Molly and all the kids, like the Brady Bunch. and got the, I love this family. And they're coming over, and they said, let's just pray together. I said, well, let's pray. Let's pray a little while, but let's look for the key. <laughs> let's find the key. Like, oh, all right. Tim Bird said, we need to pray. So we prayed, and we, he said, let's just, let's just don't, let's just don't talk. Let's listen. Five minutes. <laughs> Ten minutes. Now, we're at all different ranges of spirituality. My daughter, at this time, she's growing in her faith now, but this time, she's like, my family and this family is cuckoo. <laughs> we're all just listening. And Noah and Faith, the youngest, they're already in bed. I said, keep it down, guys. If you wake Noah up, it's going to be a long day tomorrow. One of the little girls, Emily, said, I, I know where the key is. It's in Noah's room. Cindy, who's the mom, she said, yeah, I, I, I heard the same thing. It's in Noah's room, and it's under the bed. And it's not only under the bed, it's up underneath the latch, the lat, the, the wooden lat under his bed. And... And I said, you, you really? Really? I mean, I'm surprised that God would speak, right? I preach it all the time. I say, uh, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is going to speak to the church. And a key? I think, you know, we pray for all kinds of things, but I think God can handle a key. 
So I'm like, okay, now listen, if Noah wakes up, I'm going to have a long day tomorrow. I got to go up under there, get a flashlight and all that. And it's, it's there. I go in there. I go up underneath the bed. Noah's sleeping. I go up. Feel around. It's not there. But I remember that Cindy said, go way up under there and get the key. I go up under there. I found the key. I got the key. Now, don't clap for me. I had a little faith. <laughs> it was the body. Now, that whole story is, is, is not just to freak some of you out or make others of you say, you know, what kind of guy is this new pat? No. I'm, gonna, I'm telling you right now, I'm where you were. So was my daughter. But you know what? My daughter didn't think they were cuckoo anymore. It strengthened her faith. For my wife, she just needed to know that the birds were there for us. This family was there for us. So there was a love that came, an encouragement that came. There's a evidence of faith that came from my daughter. For the kids and for the birds, they just were so glad. They, were, they got to stay up late and have their pajamas and pray together in our living room. There's something that happens when family gets together like that. For me... I just needed a key. That's all. You know, for some of you today, you just need a key. You came in today and you, you need a key to make this marriage work. You need a key to figure out, should I take this job? You need a key to know that there is life beyond what you're existence is right now, to listen together, and then to obey together. Learn to lead others to listen to the Father, and learn to lead others to obey the Father together. John 14 says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to him, and we will make our home with them or abode with them. I love that. It comes down to obedience, listening and obeying together. You know, we're together right now. What's God saying to you? For some of you here today, the obedience part of it is tough for you. And I, as you can tell, I'm going right to the invitation because I don't need to preach about obedience. You just need to obey. I mean, it's, I can give you a nice illustration, but when you get to this point and you're living loved and the Father can be trusted... And you're listening. Listen, faith, faith is a consequence of being loved. If you're having struggle, struggles with faith, you're having struggles being loved. I can trust the Father. And so I walk it out in faith. Because he can be trusted. There's two ways to live life, guys. Fear and love. That's the root system of everything we do. You're either living out of fear or you're living out of love. I've seen a lot of men live out of fear. I've seen a lot of people live out of fear. I've seen a lot of churches live out of fear. But the difference between fear and love is this. Fear produces orphans. Love is family. A church is either an orphanage or it's a family. How do we live? We live out of love. He can be trusted. 